This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp reporting on this, the opening day of the 2022 Florida legislative session, which will, among other things, be redrawing the district maps for House and Senate seats. This Republican legislature looks like it's about to produce a congressional map that's going to take Florida from a 1611 Republican-Democrat delegation to a 1612 Republican-Democrat delegation, which, if nobody's noticed, is one more Democrat. We'll dive deep into what could be a Republican battle over Senate and House redistricting maps a little later with Jacob Ogles of Florida Politics. On the schedule today, the Senate session begins at 9.30 this morning. There's a House session at 10, and then they convene in a joint session to hear the governor's state of the state speech. House Speaker Chris Sprawls meets with the media at 1.30. Senate President Wilton Simpson faces the media at 2.00. Committee hearings begin today at 1.30. And Senate Democratic leaders Lauren Book of the Senate and Evan Jen of the House will announce their 2022 legislative priorities at a 12.45 news conference. Alexander Hamilton, the first Treasury Secretary of the United States, was born on January 11th in either 1755 or 1757 in the British West Indies. Hamilton claimed 1757 as his birth year, but probate papers recorded shortly after his mother's death indicate that 1755 is the correct year. What we now know for sure is he was not going to throw away his shot whatever year he was born. On this day in 1942, Miami-Dade went dark. It was a World War II blackout drill. It lasted 30 minutes and was a test to figure out if residents were ready to defend themselves to the fullest extent against enemy bombers. The Miami News reported it was probable some American cities would be bombed during the year. And in 1938, the first public demonstration of telegraph messages sent through dots and dashes happened at Speedwell Ironworks in Morristown, New Jersey. Samuel Morse and Alfred Vale did the dotting and dashing. No hashtags as far as we know. Welcome, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and happy Monday and session eve. Democrats spent a lot of yesterday trying to get their say in before the Republican-controlled legislature gets down to business. Reps Tracy Davis, Anna Escamani, Angie Nixon, Carlos Guillermo Smith, and Marie Woodson were part of a virtual rally for people-oriented policies. The surprise rally speaker was Ben Fraser, the Jacksonville activist who was arrested last week while trying to attend a COVID briefing being held by Governor Ron DeSantis. Florida is not a free state if the governor shuts down anyone who speaks out against him. Florida is not a free state if the politicians in charge are afraid to hear the voice of the people. Lots of topics were covered at this rally with comments about rising housing costs, staff shortages in public schools, and efforts to weaken the labor movement. The rally was really a preview of what these legislators and others believe is not going to be addressed by the upcoming session. But they still tried to go for a rally feel, including a couple of attempts at unison slogan chanting. Virtual rallying is hard. And so is drawing legislative district maps. 
Sunrise caught up with Jacob Ogles in between committee meetings to help us better understand what's going on. He's covering the redistricting this session for Florida politics and says the Senate is moving pretty fast. On Monday, there was some very important subcommittee work by the Senate reapportionment subcommittees. Uh, One of them produced a couple drafts that were forwarded for consideration for Florida's 28 congressional districts, and one narrowed down to two choices for Florida's 40 Senate districts. So we've got half the maps floating around that we used to. And we've got a pretty clear direction, at least uh, before it hits Senator Ray Rodriguez, in terms of what the subcommittees would like to see in these drafts. So where are we headed? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ray Rodriguez will tell you at some point, inevitably, maybe court, just because it's very unlikely that nobody will find a reason to litigate these maps. However, I would say that these maps, at least on the Senate side, have received generally good reviews. Uh, This Republican legislature looks like it's about to produce a congressional map that's going to take Florida from a 1611 Republican-Democrat delegation to a 1612 Republican-Democrat delegation, which, if nobody's noticed, is one more Democrat. Um, That's a little bit surprising, defying the expectations of a lot of people who thought the Republican legislature the more conservative Supreme Court and a Republican governor was going to try to push the limits of fair districts as far as it could go. Rather than that, they've been very lowercase c conservative, and they have moved forward with maps that look as much like the ones that came out of the, the legal process five years ago as possible. You know, even I can do that math and, and see there's, there's more Democrats than mm-hmm. Republicans. Why do you think that's happening? Well, I think on the Senate side, there's a very litigation-averse attitude. Some people say that's because Wilton Simpson, the Senate president, he's seeking statewide office this year, and he doesn't really want to spend all of his time in court this summer. That may be a part of it, but I also think, you know, there's a level of certainty that people want with these maps. While everybody may be talking about the 2022 midterms right now, it was a hugely disruptive thing halfway through the decade to have Senate maps and congressional maps thrown out and redrawn and change the political boundaries and consequences all over the state mid-decade. That's something that nobody wants to go through again. Yeah, when the Democratic caucus uh, huddled with the press on Monday, they were circumspect in their wording in anticipation of possible legal action. At least that's what they said. Um, And so are the Republicans trying to avoid that now, apparently. Well, and there's a lot of effort that's been put in calling out bad behavior. Often Republican leadership is notably calling out potentially negative influences from the left, I think that's that's noteworthy in itself. Uh, that's what I think the Mary Allen class uh, little kerfuffle was last week. It's what this whole thing with uh, objecting to Nicholas Warren's input has been, who is a lawyer from the ACLU who submitted proposals. But I also just think that um, people want to avoid any appearance that they're letting 
outside people planting maps, which is what got this process in trouble a decade ago. Do you think you know, the the session starts today? Uh, do you think this will hold? Well, the big question is, is the House going to run along with this, particularly with the congressional maps? Um, the Senate can go one way, and they're going to be able to produce their own Senate maps without too much interference from the House. However, when it comes to congressional, the two chambers are going to have to come together and agree. A lot of people are wondering, particularly since one of the two maps, just two maps that the House has put out for Congress so far, has a very aggressive GOP gerrymander. It all but eliminates Stephanie Murphy's congressional district and and really is designed to reduce the number of Democrats. So the question now is what the House does and how serious they are about going a different direction than the Senate. However, a lot of people think that the House maps just haven't been as as well thought out when they were put together, that the districts aren't as well balanced. And so a lot of people wonder if they're really even taking this seriously or if they're just going to follow the Senate's lead altogether and just go in every direction the Senate goes when it comes to congressional maps. So when is the rubber going to meet the road here and uh, these two things have to resolve themselves, These the House and the Senate maps? Well, the Senate is moving towards potentially having these maps finalized as soon as Thursday. But the House isn't nearly as far along in the process. They have a subcommittee meeting scheduled on Tuesday, on the first day of session. But they have 60 days. They have the full legislative session before they are required to produce maps. Uh, We're going to have to see what direction they go from here. Um, I think the people in charge, at least really don't want an appearance of them trying to thumb the scales. Uh, We'll see what happens when we see more cartography come out of the House staff. That's what I think a lot of people are wondering right now. We haven't seen very much material. The Senate staff has put out now 25 draft maps. The uh, House staff has put out like four. So we're going to just have to see how things evolve. Uh, And we have no idea where things are going with house districts, state house districts either. Uh, We just have to be patient and see what happens over the next coming weeks and what direction the published drafts take from this point forward. So it's possible we could see Republicans clashing with Republicans over this? Hey, that's what happens when Republicans control both chambers, inevitably, right? Yeah. Um, eventually, there's going to have to be a disagreement that leadership from both chambers is going to have to come together on. And uh, right now, leadership is two different parties. There will be some disagreements along the way. I'm already seeing some people online who are very unhappy that the Senate decided to go the direction that they did, that they decided not to try and net some seats to counter what some Democratic states like New York are doing right now instead. So there's certainly voices in Tallahassee and elsewhere, uh, in Washington, D.C. in particular, that would really like to see the legislature produce a bright red map instead of taking this friendly approach and this go-along-and-get-along thing where we just don't get sued. Some people are totally willing to get sued. We'll just have to see uh, whether 
that willingness is what wins the day at the end of session. Just on a kind of personal, professional note, um, what's the most confusing thing about being, at this point, a legislative cartographer like yourself? What's the most confusing <laughs> thing about this? Oh, Lord, this is a process that nobody's really an expert in. You know, it's only done once a decade. This is the third time I've covered redistricting, but only the first when I've covered it on a statewide basis rather than for a, a regional publication where so I'm paying attention to the whole map. Uh, it, it's confusing. It's very technical. And you have to keep in mind that there's political consequences that are ultimately what everybody's really interested in, even though what's dominating the conversation in meetings is you know, racial minority effective districts and you know the compactness scores and geographic boundaries. Really, a lot of people are on bated breath about who has the edge in each of these maps? Which incumbents are going to be in trouble? Which incumbents are going to end up maybe in a district facing someone from their own party? You've got to keep in mind everything that the technical people and the staffs are doing, but you also have to keep in mind what the whole political class is really interested in with the end game. It, it's, it's a challenge. It takes a lot of attention and... You know, we've got a lot of other things going on this legislative session, too. Uh, I don't think anybody out there is just watching redistricting. There's a lot of policy matters that are going to have to be decided as we move forward as well. Well, keep your reading glasses close uh, so you can follow what's going on. Jacob, I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, Craig. The Florida Democratic Caucus held a pre-session news briefing Monday. No prepared statements here. They just opened the virtual news conference to questions from the media on everything from the state budget and who's really responsible for all that ready cash. Fentrice Driscoll of Tampa's House District 63 fielded that one. I do expect him to take credit, to try to take credit for uh, the funds that Florida has in its budget. But we know that this is due to the American Rescue Plan and it is due to President Biden and his administration. And we know that Democrats deliver. And so I think you can expect our caucus to really try to um, toe the line on the truth of all of this, that yes, Florida has been able to uh, stay open and free and keep our economy going with the help of President Joe Biden. District 8 House member Ramon Alexander talked about some of the Republican legislative agenda, like voting restrictions, open carry gun legislation, and critical race theory bans. We should not be alienating people and finding um, so-called boogeymans to distract us from reality. We want to focus on issues that help all Floridians and create a balance. Uh, we should not have policies uh, purported that are anti-business. We should not have policies that are, uh, that are attack on local governments and home rule. I believe in indirect democracy. I know my colleagues do as well. And so we want to make sure that we are focusing on that and not trying to find flaws or lies in regards to elections and other things to distract us that people are hurting every single day. You know, you look at the number of people that are asset limited, income constrained and are employed and also unemployed. People are living 
a one check away or a paycheck away or two paychecks away from not being able to put food on the table and take care of their families. And so that's our focus. That's our priority. And that's the clear distinction between what we stand for and what the distractions they continue to bring forth, like critical race theory. House Minority Leader Evan Jen was supposed to be part of this media scrum, but had car trouble and hadn't made it to Tallahassee yet. Tampa Republican Representative Jackie Toledo made it to the Capitol Monday to meet with the media about her Human Trafficking Reduction Act. The proposed legislation goes after the buyers of what the traffickers are selling. By banning hourly rates at motels, hotels, and vacation rentals, and requiring those registering to show ID. Data shows that much of sex trafficking is committed at hotels, motels, and even vacation rentals. So we want to try and close any remaining loopholes that trafficking traffickers are using to commit this heinous crime. My legislation also raises the penalty for first-time sex spying to a third-degree felony, up from a first-degree misdemeanor. This crime should not be at the same level as petty theft or carrying a concealed weapon without a license. Though the legislative session is just beginning, the campaigning never stops. Well, actually, Florida Politics reported Monday that outgoing Palm Beach County Commissioner Melissa McKinley announced Monday she is not running to be the state's next agriculture commissioner. McKinley had been seen as a potential Democratic candidate to replace Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, who's going after the Democratic nomination for governor. Freed is the only Democrat to win a statewide election in Florida in recent cycles. Of course, Freed is going up against Charlie Crist for the Democratic nomination for governor, and he is coming into the new year looking pretty flush when it comes to cash. The congressman started 2022 with $3.8 million in cash on hand in his quest to unseat Governor Ron DeSantis. And Florida Politics is reporting that Crist has raised more than $670,000 for his campaign for governor. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics. 